be reading Luke chapter 7, and it's page 50 in your pew Bibles. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the city, into the Pharisee's house, and looked and took his place at the table. And the woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When he could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he had canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, for from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one, the one whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love icebreaker questions. Do you like those? Have you ever been in a group? If you've been to a care group here, and maybe even in, in Sunday school, you have encountered some of uh, our icebreaker questions, and they're to do just that, to kind of loosen your tongue a little bit so that you'll participate in the discussion that's going on in, in the group or in the class, and it usually does that where you just go around and either talk about uh, if you had to describe yourself as fruit, what would you be, and that's always weird. Uh, if you had to describe your past week with a weather uh, report, what would that be? And you'll get, you know, stormy and, you know, lightning and thunder or bright and sunny. You can find out who the optimists are and the pessimists. Um, but one of those questions that tends to come up is, if you could have dinner with anyone in the world or in history, who would it be? Think about that for a minute. How would you answer that? You don't have to answer out loud, but think about it. And think about if you did have the opportunity to do that. Now, I know everybody would pick Jesus, right? Mozart, Mozart really? Over Jesus? Okay. Uh, 
you might pick, um, you know, some famous person from the past or whatever, but think about who it is that you would invite over. And think about, imagine that there is a table that, that you have set up in your house and you're going to have maybe a few guests over, but you really want to have some time uh, one-on-one with that particular individual. Uh, maybe it's a, a famous coach. Maybe it's Bear Bryant. Ooh, wait, I shouldn't say that. that or, or maybe it's Les Miles, or maybe it's someone else, but you could have them over, and you just want to sit down at the table, and you have questions you've been wanting to ask this person for a long time, like, how did you do this? Or how did you feel when this happened? Or uh, whatever the question might be. And you're, you're about to ask those questions, and you're, you're just having a great time, and all of a sudden there's a knock on your door. And you go to the door, you open it, uh, which is what you do with a door, right? You open it, open the door, and the person um, comes in. You see it's your neighbor. It's not just any neighbor. It's your nosy neighbor, right? Miss Kravitz or somebody's coming in. And you know it's the person that you really don't want coming in, but just before you say, hey, I've got company, your neighbor sees who's sitting at the table and says, oh... I've been looking forward to talking to you for a long time and just comes right in and sits down at your place at the table and hijacks the whole meal, right? Hijacks the conversation and starts asking that person questions and you don't ever get a chance to get a word in edgewise. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? You'd be pretty mad. Uh, Well, the same kind of thing took place with Jesus and this woman who barged into Simon's house. And we see that Luke describes it in such a way where he's filling in on some of the things that Jesus was thinking. And uh, we wouldn't want anyone filling anyone in about what we would be thinking, right? With a, a nosy neighbor barging in. But this woman comes in the door and she goes right to Jesus, right to the dinner guest. And she begins to... Uh, wash his feet with her hair. And we're going to get into some of what all of that means. But just think about what was taking place as they gathered there for that meal. Because as we look at this, we see reactions, lots of different reactions. And you'll see some, like in this particular painting, you can see some of the the different looks on the faces as the artist uh, portrays what that was like. We don't see Jesus' face, but we see her face. And we see maybe Simon. By the way, this is not Simon Peter. This is Simon, and all we know about him is that he is a Pharisee. He is a a part of Jesus' religion, but he's a part of that group that is doing a lot of criticism of Jesus. But Simon seems to be more interested than any others. I mean, he has him over for dinner. We don't get the impression from this text that he was trying to trap Jesus but that he really wanted to know more. He's a seeker of sorts, and so he wants to have him over for dinner. There's another story that we looked at uh, right before Easter, and it was Mary who was doing this washing. Do you remember? Uh, she, she gets a word, a rough word from Judas about, look, how could you pour out this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet when there are poor people all around us? You could have sold that and given that money to the poor. This is a different story. She was preparing, this was Lazarus's sister, Mary, who was preparing Jesus for what would come, this, this uh, 
build up to the death of Christ as Jesus would go on to Jerusalem. This is a different person. And some have said this is Mary Magdalene, but we don't have any proof of that. But we do hear, uh, we, we find in Luke's gospel that she's mentioned in this same text uh, in, in chapter 8 where uh, it was read just a moment ago. But whoever it is, uh, is coming to do this uh, for Jesus. And we see the reactions to her action. And as we look at her today, as we look around this table and we see who's gathered there, we come to an understanding that we react to Jesus in different ways too, don't we? We react to grace in lots of different ways. I want you to think about that this morning. How do you react to grace? Well, as we look here, we see that uh, sometimes we miss the point. We can completely miss the point of grace. And that's what Simon did. As you look back here at your, your Bible, and I encourage you to keep, keep your pew Bible open, or if you brought one with you, look here in Luke chapter 7, because there is so much that's going on here. And if you ever want to know about grace, uh, this is a great place to look. We sang earlier about amazing grace, and uh, our chains are gone. And you see that here with this lady Her chains are falling off. You can almost hear them as you hear this text, as you read it. But Simon has, again, he's invited these people over. He's wanting to to learn more about Jesus. Jesus has been pretty provocative in the things that he has said, the things that he's done. And certainly at this dinner table, as this woman comes in, untassels her hair, which... Would, would not have been a good thing in their culture. Uh, Luke is, is really portraying um, this sexuality of this woman, which was not to be expressed in their culture, and certainly uh, not a woman coming in and doing this uh, and, and washing Jesus' feet. Again, you, you, you get the idea of sexuality, of uh, adoration, a lot of these things that um, these Pharisees would have been thinking about. That's not why she was there, though. She was there out of her gratitude. But Simon starts thinking to himself, right? How do we know what Simon thought to himself? There obviously was some conversation after this took place. Maybe Simon opened up later. Maybe Simon became a follower of Jesus and said, look, you remember that night we were all over at my house and we were eating and, man, I was thinking, this lady that came in, uh, you know, if Jesus knew who she was, there is no way that he could be the real Messiah. So Simon has his checklist, right? So if Jesus says this, then I'll be okay with it. If he says this, I'll know he's not the real Messiah and, and so he's already checking off his list. Wow. I was hoping to get something out of this dinner, and I see already he's not who he has said he is, because if he is, he would not let her come and wash his feet. Simon was looking for his Messiah, and he completely missed him. What he was looking for was right in front of his face, and he totally missed the point of God's grace. Have you ever heard of a stereogram? Uh, There's one right here. I don't know what it is, but have you ever seen one of these? 
you know, you see a picture, you get a, uh, there's some posters out there, and you hold it up to your face, and you, you close your eyes for a minute, and you're supposed to pull it away slowly, and then you see what's behind there. There is a whole picture that's in there. Now, don't strain your brain or your eyes because it, you have to have it right here and then move it away. Anybody get it? What is it? Um, you, uh, you can see it if you, you, know, you hold it up and, and pull it away. But the, a lot of people just can't ever see these. Maybe you're one of those, and sometimes I am. If I, if I start looking at it the wrong way and I'm not seeing it right, I don't understand what it's supposed to be. We have that same reaction to grace. Just like Simon, we're looking at it wrong, and we're totally missing what is in the picture. We're totally missing what God wants us to see. And sometimes that means we've got to focus differently. We've got to set our eyes on something in a different way to be able to understand what it really is. Your reaction to grace this morning may be completely missing the point. Think about that for other people. Your reaction to God's grace in someone else's life may be missing the point. Maybe we're a lot like the older brother in Jesus' prodigal story. By the way, Jesus is always talking about grace, isn't he? He's not only demonstrating it, he's creating these stories about it. And like in the prodigal son, the older brother, who just can't understand how someone who has done so many bad things to his father and to his God, to his family, how he could be forgiven. How could the father do this? Dad, how could you throw a party for him, knowing all that he did? And if you don't know all he did, let me fill you in. And the father doesn't talk about any of that. The father just says, come on. I've been waiting for you to come home. But we get judgmental, don't we? Yeah, we do. And we, we don't like other people to get grace that we have received. We don't think they've earned it or that they're worthy of it. And we like to hold them down. Just like those people around the table did. How is it that you might have done that in another person's life? You know, God has called us at Church for the Highlands to be a church of grace. That's not easy, is it? It's not easy at all. People do things to us that hurt us. People say things that, uh, that hurt our feelings or uh, make us feel a particular way. People judge us, perhaps, even for our grace. But God has called us to be that kind of church. Sometimes we just want to smack people, right? Just want to smack them? Amen. <laughs> She's talking about me. If you'll notice in this next picture, this is going to make you dizzy if you keep looking at that. Uh, you'll see, again, some of the reactions there. But the right reaction is what Jesus is doing. He's looking at her with love, and we're to do that. But we're also to experience grace in our own lives. We're to treat each other with grace, but we're to treat ourselves and not miss the point of grace in our lives. Maybe the reason that you judge other people is because 
you have not received the full extent of grace in your life. You're having trouble feeling worthy. I guarantee you, you have felt that because we all do. We feel like, no, God should smack me. And He probably should, but He doesn't. God dispenses love and grace and forgiveness. This woman became a part of the community. Jesus invited her to come on in. He didn't say, if you do all these things, then you can come into this room and wash my feet. He just says, come on in. The other stuff will work itself out. What you need most is my grace. And that's what you and I need the most. When was the last time you graced yourself? To stop taking yourself so seriously and recognize that you are just like that woman. You're no better. You're no worse. And God loves you the same. But I think another reaction that we see here uh, that we have to grace, and certainly that she did, is that we, we feel this desire to love with great demonstration. This woman loved with action. I mean, she uh, takes down her hair and she puts this ointment on the feet of Jesus. All these men are gathered around the table. She is known as a notorious sinner. And we get the understanding that she is a prostitute. I just wonder about some of those men around the table. Maybe the reason they know who she is is because they know who she is, right? Who is it that's, that is uh, creating all this business in town, right? Well, it's men. Probably some of these Pharisees. And she's coming into the room. Maybe that's why some of them are angry. But she goes to Jesus. She bows down at His feet. She doesn't care what anybody says, what anybody does. She's focused on that. She's focused on loving Jesus because she knows that He is a man of grace. I don't think she has any trouble understanding who the Messiah is. And that's why she does what she does. I love the story Jesus includes in here uh, about the two debtors. That this one man uh, has, uh, he's got some debts out. He says, a certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? They're like, well, Jesus, of course, the man with 500 denarii. And so he's like, well, then what's the problem? This woman who is known to be a notorious sinner has been forgiven. And that's why she's in here doing what she's doing. She is loving me and she is demonstrating her love out of her deep sense of gratitude for how much sin in her life has been forgiven. And really, I think he could have turned the table on them and said, you think you only have 50 denarii? You've got more than that. You have more than this lady. But he says, the one who has sinned much loves much. Those who have received grace. Your reaction to grace can be love in action. It should contain praise. 
And as you came this morning and, and sang these songs and as you heard scriptures, you greeted one another, I hope that your heart was full of praise, that I am glad I am here today. I'm glad that I have a place to go and express my gratitude to God. Or when you wake up in the morning that you give thanks for the life that you have and you give praise to God because God loves you and has shown grace to you. It also involves sacrifice, doesn't it? This woman sacrificed a lot to be there that day. Her reputation, which wasn't much. Her ointment, which probably all she had. Everything she had, she laid at the feet of Jesus. How do we sacrifice and show our love in action? Well, she served, and that's another way we can think about it. Her love in action was her service. And we are a service-oriented church, aren't we? We have so many opportunities to serve. And I think the people who make the greatest servants are those who have the greatest appreciation of grace in their life. Right? And we're a church that loves to serve. And I hope that that will continue to be the case. That we don't serve because we have to. We serve because we have a God who loves us so much that he gave us Jesus. But a final reaction that that we see taking place here is peace. Uh, That that this woman gets to hear these words from Jesus as, as he is there and as he's interacting with the Pharisees and others around the table... Jesus says to her, go in peace. Now that's pretty significant, isn't it? Especially if you think about that word and what that word means. Uh, Shalom. Go in shalom. In other words, go as one who has been made whole. Jesus put all the pieces of her life back together and showed her love and compassion. Your reaction to grace can be peace. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are, it doesn't matter any of that. Because you can hear those words today as well. Go in peace. Go from church for the highlands this morning and go in peace. Walk out of here as a whole person. Don't walk out of here with all your pieces scattered all over anymore. Go as a complete person, full in the image of God, as the human God has created you to be. Isn't it nice to have a creator that puts us back together and is is able to take all those things that have gone wrong and all the sins of our past and to, to put them back together so that we can move forward? The problem is so many times we refuse to go. We just would rather sit there and beat ourselves and have others beat upon us and judge us instead of moving ahead in the grace that God has given us. What is the poem about Humpty Dumpty? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's men and all the king's horses couldn't put Humpty back together again. Isn't that what we all heard as kids? Isn't that the reality? You you know, you fall off and you break into pieces and that's life. But that's not the life God has designed. God puts the pieces back together. 
What is your reaction to grace today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. That we never get tired of looking at the encounters that he had with other people because they were always radical encounters of grace and love and inclusion. God, may we be sensitive to your spirit. Your spirit of love in this place today, that we might leave from this place and become the children of God you have called us to be. Amen.